When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Jacob here with the uh, Daniel 3 podcast. Um, I'm recording this intro um, a little bit, um, not myself, um, as you hear in the episode uh, last night when I was um, about to go live with Pete, my father was taken to the hospital. He's battling a severe case of COVID. He's on a ventilator right now, so things are kind of up in the air. Uh, So obviously I have a lot on my mind and my heart. Uh, spending a lot of time in prayer and um, just kind of waiting for how things develop. Um, not sure what I'm going to do yet as far as uh, the podcast goes, if I'm going to continue. I have three episodes scheduled for next week, but um, as far as like with guests, but I, I don't know if I'm going to keep them or not. Uh, it's tough when there's a family thing going on when life hits and Part of me wants to, you know, take time away from certain things. Another part of me wants to keep going and to sort of praise God and continue to uh, do things in the midst of of turmoil. So I don't know. It's it's fresh. I have to I have to digest and let this stuff sit for a bit. But um, I wanted to at least put this episode out here before I, you know, my, if I do take a break, I wanted to at least have this episode put out um, onto the audio format. So uh, this was a conversation with, uh, as I got corrected on very early on in the episode, uh, Pete Quinones, and uh, or the Pete Quinones. I I'm not the best with certain stuff, like certain uh, I don't know, like Quinones. I don't know what even the uh, kind of comes across to me as more of a hispanic looking name but i don't really know what his his background is i know of pete and i watched a lot of his stuff but i feel like i've watched a lot of pete more on other people's shows than on his show i just i don't know i've never heard the name pronounced that much that i knew the exact correct pronunciation of it so live on air i kind of did a quick little pete kionas and um called me hack gave me a little bit of grief on that so but it's all in good fun pete and i have gone back and forth a lot um on twitter over the past year and I've, and i've you know I, when i first became a libertarian pete would post his stuff all over the place so i've known about him and followed his stuff for a while and when i joined the Mises caucus he posted his stuff in there and he was involved in it recently Pete's had a bit of a falling out with the Mises caucus circles, but at the same time, he's been kind of 
uh, embracing more of a Christian uh, position as far as the, you know, kind of like establishing a connection between Christian ethics and the stories found in the Bible and the, and the lessons and today's society and culture and, and libertarian philosophy. So it was a very productive conversation, actually. I went in a little nervous because, well, it's Pete and, you know, he's a lot bigger <laughs> than I am. Uh, really probably the biggest person I've had on this show. And, uh, and uh, somebody who is not afraid to on a roll his sleeves up and uh, take some shots as I experienced very early on. Um, so, but uh, the conversation I thought was really productive actually. And, you know, the heart of what I was going after was, I mean, there was really two themes to the conversation. It was one, I believe in thin libertarianism, but I also am realizing that there, there is at least a portion of the left that, can't really be dealt with at the moment that is you know maybe not the people but the ideologue that they are acting in is is not one that can be interacted with at this moment in time whereas the right for all of the things on the right that i personally find to be detestable or personally cringeworthy the right is at this point in time more open to the ideas of libertarianism and are a lot closer to us in many ways. And in this past two years and the COVID regime and the growing uh, embracing of the culture of sexual degeneracy and other degenerate ways of living and low uh, high time preference behaviors um, and their own form of you know, like what what I'm starting to realize, I guess, to, to put it a different way, is if I argue thin libertarianism, but the left has no interest in, you know, living in a you know free to disassociate style. I don't know how effective that is. It seems to me that if I want libertarianism to be thin, I almost have to side with the right. Because the right is willing to agree to disagree, and the left isn't. So, um, but at the same time, then there's a conversation about strategy and beyond just you know engaging the culture, but political strategy. And um, you know, I've if you guys have been listening to the podcast, I you know there's there's people who want to build their own wealth, power, and influence. There's people that want to do the Mises Caucus strategy, people that want to do uh, politics within the GOP, uh, people who completely forego politics and, and believe in more agorist uh, ways of, of engaging in you know counter-economics to battle the state. And Pete and I, surprisingly, I, I wasn't expecting this, but we're more on the same page on those things than I thought, which is everyone's going to have their own preference, and we have to learn to work together and not judge each other for having different preferences. doesn't mean we can't challenge each other in good faith and in good heart, but the focus should be on where can we find what we agree upon and what we can do together, and less upon I have to convince you to do my exact uh, strategy. So it was really uh, enjoy, enjoyful, um, sorry, it was a really enjoy, enjoyable 
and thought-provoking conversation. And I hope to have Pete on again sometime to elaborate more on these types of things. So um, please listen. And obviously thoughts and prayers for my father and my family during this time. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all of you. Good evening, everybody. Those of you who are tuning in live, uh, I'm Jacob Daniel, host of the Daniel 3 podcast. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Um, so a couple of things I want to talk about before we get started to bring our guest in. Uh, first, on a personal note, um, my father got admitted into the uh, hospital today, um, having a uh, struggle with a bout of COVID. So um, just for those of you, my audience, who are the religious type, Christian or non-Christian, you know, your prayers are appreciated. I think he'll pull through, you know, he's just, he had low oxygen levels and uh, I don't know, he's just, he's had it for over a week now and he's just having a hard time kicking it. So um, prayers for that. Um, but, you know, I believe as a Christian, you know, we're, we're uh, we, we praise God, we, we give him worship and we uh, declare him to be good, even when we're going through hardships in life. And so, um, I'm going to keep plugging away. I know that God's in control and, um, that's about all I have to say on that matter, but I just wanted to put that little personal thing out there before we got started. Obviously, uh, Daniel318.com website's been up for, uh, about a month now, um, and getting some good feedback on that. Um, you can go on there to watch the podcast, submit comments, questions that you want answered on the show. If you want to schedule an uh, appearance on the call-in show, we do about once or twice a month. Uh, the website's where you want to do that. Um, that website is done by my uh, good friends, uh, Sexton Inventive. So if you need anything from graphic design, website design, uh, branding, that kind of stuff, uh, you can check them out. Um all right, that's all the plugs and intro introductions I have. Um, excited to talk to our guest tonight. He is Pete Guajones, the free man beyond the wall. Pete, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Am I, am I really Pete Guajones? <laughs> I, do, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you said Pete Guajones, and um, I, I'll take that. Sure, you know, sort of have to have brass ones to do what we do and everything, but... Um, that's cool. <laughs> I, I I don't know how do you it, what is the exact pronunciation of your name because I don't know if I've is it Quinones or Quinones? I only say it at the beginning Quinones? of every podcast. So, well, I know how this is starting out. <laughs> I, I I I listen to you a lot, but I don't know. I just I don't know if I just don't listen to the beginning of the podcast that much. You just fast but, forward I mean, through I it because that's what I do. <laughs> That's what yeah. I do for most podcasts. I just fast forward through the beginning. So yeah, I got you. No problem. Yeah. Just busting. Um, yeah. That's all right. Um, I'm not always the best with pronunciations of stuff, so it's all good. It's okay. Um, not a problem. But no, I've, I've actually followed you a while. Um, even before I joined the um, the Mises Caucus, um, you would share your stuff in the, uh, like, I was in a bunch of Christian anarchist Facebook groups, and you would always share your stuff uh, in, in those groups. So um, you, Tom, Dave, you know, you guys were really instrumental when I, I first became a libertarian back in 2018. Um, and I came, I actually came from the left. So like back in 2015, 2016, I was a Bernie Sanders guy. Um, and so yeah, I, I traveled, <laughs> I, I traveled across the desert to, to where I'm at now. Um, but I want to have a conversation. To, I think it's easier to go from Sanders to libertarianism than to go from like neoliberalism to libertarianism so uh, it, it a seems a little bit yeah i think it's a lot easier because you understand 
you understand that there are a lot of things that are just absolutely corrupt and neoliberals make excuses for everything. So that's true. We you know even be even the even the Sanders supporters, though, I mean, like they, you know, that was when I first got involved in politics and Sanders did kind of run a campaign about, you know, highlighting corruption and, you know, wanting like there there is some there that like I can see a little bit of a thread that kind of travels through to like where I'm at today. But, you know, even a lot of those people, I mean, when they saw the corruption within the DNC, when, you know, the primaries were obviously meddled with to give the election to, to Hillary, I mean, they just rolled over and took it. They didn't do anything about it, which bugged me. And they were just like, hey, we went from talking shit about, you know, the Clintons for the past year to suddenly, you know, they're the best thing ever. And you see, you saw the same thing with Biden this past election. Every Everyone on the left was, Biden's the worst. Please, anyone but Biden. Anyone but Biden. And then Biden gets the nomination. And they're like, okay, 100% in with Biden. And and yeah, so um, I don't know. There's there's part of, that's actually one of the subjects I wanted to talk to you a little bit about tonight and, and your, your views on it. Um, you know, as someone who comes from the left, I often have like sympathies for it. And I want to try to reach out to those people and and kind of wake them up. But I don't know. I feel like over the past year and a half, two years now, really since the COVID regime started, it's, I don't know. I haven't had really any luck. I'm not saying there are no based left-wingers out there, but I don't know. They're pretty few and, you know, uh, few and far between, it seems, these days. I mean, is there, you know, is there any way in your mind right now in the current climate and culture and politics that the left can be redeemed? Um, or is is it pretty much like right now, at least that, you know, our efforts should be focused more on the right? Because for a while I've been trying to, you know, I, I don't know, I think I think we need to try to reach out to both and not focus too strongly on one. But I'm, I don't know, I'm a bit more open minded now as far as that goes, that maybe maybe the left's too far gone, at least at the moment. I mean, the only way to go at the left, as far as I'm concerned, is one on one. Um, as far as what I do and what I think, you know, platforms that, you know, are talking to people in five figure, you know, in, in five figure audiences or above or even smaller, um, they should be talking to the right. Um, I think the left has shown themselves in the last year and a half to just love the state and love, love bureaucracy and what we've seen in the last 18 months is pure chaos and the and it's just proof of the left i mean the left is about chaos and the right is about order the right should be about order um even if they don't understand that um i think that most people on the right are about order i think most people on the left are about order when it's in their neighborhood but i don't mm-hmm. think that when when it comes to politics i don't think they're about order i think their policies demand chaos if it isn't the new deal if it isn't the the great society um if it isn't covid mandates i mean it's it just shows you that they they value chaos they want to see people um panicking and they want to see people at each other's throats i mean there weren't any right wingers out there burning down burning down cities and killing people in the streets last year. You know, those were, those were left wingers. Some people call themselves commies. 
um, that's the left. So um, I don't I don't speak to the I don't speak to the left. Um, when I do get the chance, I do speak to the left from the left. You know, if if there's a leftist out there calling for vaccine mandates and calling for people not being able to use supermarkets, I will tell them, why do you want black? You know, I will ask them, why do you want black people to starve to death? And that is attacking the left from the left because, you know, they claim to care about, quote unquote, minorities, but their actions and their policies don't demand that where I think mine do private property, um, respect for Mm-hmm. just respect for one another and yeah yeah so i think it's easier at this point to talk to the right and there's been such a divide i mean it started with trump in 2015 and covid george floyd last year drew the lines even thicker and then covid and all this tyranny has just shown that the left is uh the left is insane at this point so yeah I don't really I'm not going to reach out or have any um, give any effort into really reaching out to them. Um, the left is in charge. They run the government. They've been running the government for a long time. Um, they need to be destroyed as far as I'm concerned. I don't care if that's a Democrat, if it's a progressive, it's a woke progressive, if it's a left libertarian. And when I say left libertarian, I'm not talking about like real left libertarians like Sheldon Richmond and Gary Chartier. I'm talking about the woke progressive degenerates that you see on social media yeah, um, promoting high to high time preference lifestyles that only grow the state, you know? So uh, those people need to be destroyed. They need to be physically removed. By the way, Reed says that he's the only one that pronounces your name, your name correctly. So I'll ask him. He does a really good job. He does a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, um, the argument that I've tried making that I'm surprised hasn't been persuasive to them is bodily autonomy. I mean, the left's always about bodily autonomy when it comes to the right to, you know, kill a baby. It's inside of a woman's body, but you know, they'll, they'll go to the bat really strongly for that. But when it comes to the right to bodily autonomy to, you know, not put experimental, you know, medical, you know, uh, jabs into your arm that that suddenly flies out the window and it's just i mean i don't know i mean the the left i kind of grew up in in my you know i mean i'm still young but like in my youth like teenage years into young adulthood before i i you know and and sometimes i feel like i didn't leave the left the left just kind of left me but the the left i remember they were more libertarian leaning on ideas of bodily autonomy and even kind of like their views of the government they they would they realized the government was very corrupt and and not trustworthy and you know i remember a lot of like when you would find people who were like you know natural like like uh, homeopaths and into natural medicine and people who were even like you know, like I'm, i don't consider myself like an anti-vaxxer like i'm against all vaccines but there are people who are like that and some of them were in christian conservative circles but then a lot of them were even on the left in my experience mm-hmm. like when i was um when I was uh, when I was a young leftist, I was a vegan, and a lot of the vegans were really against vaccines for different reasons. So it's just I don't know. It's just the the left of today looks nothing like the left of of you know my my youth, and I don't know what changed. I don't know if it's like you know do they just hate the right that much? Because that's a lot of what I noticed when Trump got elected was just 
they were just so triggered that they stopped thinking. Um, but I, I don't know if it's that or, um, you know, a lot of what I've been, you know, that's been kind of like, um, in my mind lately are the things that you have been talking to, uh, others about like, um, uh, Andrew at Popular Liberty, uh, Matt Erickson and stuff and, and, and kind of like the, the ideas of archotropism and just that the, the left's time preference for power seems to be a lot of what's at play here because they, um, you know, and the, and the idea of put and this like this woke stuff and the pushing of of uh, social degeneracy, which I don't know. I mean, for a while I've identified as a thin libertarian, and like I've, I, that's what I've been wanting to push. But I don't know. I feel like that falls upon deaf ears lately. It's like you know the the left has no interest in in uh, trying to put forward something that's just about protecting private property rights and then letting people freely disassociate. You know over here to have their preferences and over here to have their other preferences. It's like the, the woke mob is like, you will be made to, to care and, and comply with our preferences, which I don't know how you respond to that in a, in a libertarian fashion. Well, I mean, the left will lose left libertarians and woke libertarians will be in that group that will lose. And thankfully so much of the left doesn't, is anti-gun they don't own guns what are they going to do when, when we come for them what do we what are they going to do when we come to put them on their little island so they can turn it into a north korea i don't know you know but really at this point you have to look at the world in a certain way i mean libertarianism has failed it's failed up until this point and people desire a state and they get a state. That's just the market. That's economics. It's like what Andrew talks about, where if people desire something, if people desire war, even Mises wrote about this. We found out, found a um, something um, in the anti-capitalist capitalist mentality where it was saying, well, the people desire war and there's people to step up and give them war. Hmm. It's, all, yeah. it's all market-based, you know? So it's like, if people don't want libertarianism now on a grand scale, and they've never wanted libertarianism on a grand scale, and they're not going to get libertarianism, you're never going to have libertarianism. You can have 340 million libertarians. Come on. Come on. 99% oh, yeah. of them desire a state. That's a market. That's a market signal. Well, give them a state. Someone will be there to provide it for them. But the only way possible doing it now is to follow, I mean, I, what I believe is Hans Hermann Hoppe's um, what must be done. And you do it locally, you do it in red areas, you do it in, in concentration. And, you know, I, my idea is, you know, if you have some leftists in town and they're against it, you offer to pay to pay them to leave. That's what I would do. I mean, it makes sense, you know, some, Hey, you know, things are changing around here. You know, leave. <laughs> oh, you don't want to. Yeah. Your your time here is probably going to be, if you've decided that and we're making these changes, your time here is probably going to suck. And, I mean, they're um, already used yeah. to, to to ruining places and moving out of them to go ruin another place anyway. So sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they well, and one of the reasons they love to do that is because then they can go back in and they can buy up the property cheap. Hmm. I mean, those are leftists who are doing that. That's not, you know, it, when you look at like Atlanta, 
when Atlanta was being gentrified, the people who were going and moving into, and I knew people who did it back in back in the early uh, 1990s, especially the area around what is called Atlantic Station now. There's a there's even an IKEA there. Um, around that area, you could buy a house for thirty thousand dollars. That wasn't like people from the suburbs. It was you know your country. It was your I guess back in the 90s, what would they be? Purple haired, you know, Gen X, late Gen Xers, um, or yeah, early Gen Xers going in and doing that. So it's like, I mean, they're, they're the worst people out there. I mean, all you have to do is look around the country. Okay. Would you rather live in Chicago or would you rather live in a small town in Iowa? If you, if you cared about safety, if you had the money to live yeah. anywhere, and I said, okay, here you go. Chicago, South Side, or small town Iowa. You care about safety, you're going to pick small town Iowa. I mean, you don't see any leftists moving into Chicago. Everywhere, everywhere leftists are in charge, there's violence. There's people defecating in the streets. There's tent cities. I mean, look at Austin. Austin used yeah. to be like this amazing town in Texas, where you'd have South by Southwest every year. Now you have tents. Now you have tent cities there. I mean, it's, yeah. and then you, you know, you go to Dallas and it's not much better. You go to Houston, eh. you go to Fort Worth, which is like a right wing town. What's, why don't you compare the crime to Dallas and Fort Worth and see what you got? Is, yeah, this is not this. This isn't hard stuff. You know, it's um, this is common sense. The problem is, is that libertarians are so they want to be erudite and they want to be so above everything else and be like, oh, no, we're neither left nor right. We're right down the middle or something like that. And it's like if you're left, you're for chaos and you will never have the the you know the the end capistan that you want you will have a hellhole you will have communism you will have socialism within a year within two uh, the only way to do that is to do it from the right because the right is about the right can be convinced when you articulate it to them that they are about order and that they are about living in a place where they feel safe well it's easy to know who you want to talk to and who you'd want to build your little Ancapistan around or your covenant community around. Makes sense to me. Or your Liechtenstein. It's just, it's common sense at this point. And that's what the last 18 months have taught me. Oh, by the way, to Archie Flower, I was one of the people who um, sent you money when you were broke. I sent you money in the name of Hans Hermann Hoppe. <laughs> that's that's pretty based <laughs> um you know so I, I totally agree with you as far as like you know local localism is where we have to go that's where the solutions have to be and you know there, there's been a lot of i don't know bickering and and you know somewhat friendly sometimes not so friendly conversations across the liberty circles mainly in like the the mises austrian circles over the past couple months about what that strategy should be should it be uh through the the libertarian party and the mises caucus should it be you know doing it through the local gop uh should it be other means that are completely out of politics altogether 
Um, you know, I, I like a lot of the ideas that everyone brings to the table personally. And I don't know, it's like, I'm okay with having my ideas challenged and having, you know, those conversations to kind of, you know, let the battle of ideas happen. But then I wonder, okay, well, you know, we're not going to all agree on one course of action. And I think there will be a division of labor in so far as I think every state and every county is going to have a little bit of a different circumstance. And I don't know if there's a one size, there, there'll be like general truths and principles that apply everywhere, of course, but there's not going to be like a one size fits all approach to every single community and state. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to maybe, you know, just with my voice here, see if we can shift the conversation away from, you know, the, the Mises caucus people, you know, shit talking Republicans. And if, Archie didn't, if Archie didn't need my money and he's going to um, send it to an LGBT cause, why did you say, were you lying when you said that your car was broken down and that you were in <laughs> fear of being evicted? Because if that's what you did and now you're just going to use that money however you wish, you're not to be trusted anymore. I mean, I took it as somebody who was in dire straits and needed money, and I sent you money. Now you're saying you're going to donate it to an LGBT cause? I thought you needed money. I thought that was the purpose of, of stealing, of asking people, begging people for money. That's really odd, man. That's really yeah. Odd. I don't. You I don't, basically I don't you basically defrauded. <laughs> you basically defrauded. You're you're admitting here that you defrauded people. Yeah, that's um, that's that's the kind of thing that people accuse libertarians of being. You know, people who just care about money and they don't care about other people, and they'll just take advantage of people. So, um, yeah, it seems that. You know, you're, you lied to people, people sent you money and, um, yeah. Yeah. So sad. sad. Yeah, I, I see, I see you blocked them so that we can keep going, but yeah, yeah. sometimes <laughs> people just need some, sometimes people just need to be, you know, they run off at the mouth like they're badasses. and I'm sorry for cursing on your show. And, oh, you're fine. People can curse on my show. <laughs> and you know, he basically revealed himself as somebody who perpetrated a fraud against his fellow libertarians. Or, or he is so triggered by by you that if he's in dire, if like if you're in dire straits and someone offers you a handout, and you say, "I won't take your handout because something about you offends me," that shows something askew about your the, the way you live life and the way you view people. I think. I mean, like you know, if 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 I was in dire straits and like Nicholas Sarwark offered me a handout, I don't like Nicholas Sarwark, but I would take it and say thank you and and not, you know, and I would remember that and not, you know, maybe be a little bit nicer to him next time he did something that upset, like you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Sure. But people can have people can have differences and still not want the other person dead. Yeah, exactly. You know? and I it's mean, just... I I didn't donate money to Archie because you know to like own Archie I donated money to him because it sounded like he honestly was in trouble 
And I thought it would be a good signal out there because I know people know Archie doesn't like me. And I thought it would be a good signal of, hey, we, it doesn't matter if we don't agree with each other. We, we all come together if we need it. Apparently, I know, but apparently you know, he, <laughs> I upset him so much that he's either, you know, lying. Uh, I either exposed the fact that he was lying about needing money or he just started making stuff up and saying, oh, I'll just, you know, do that. So eh, whatever. Well, and this you is know. what I've encountered with everyone who and like Archie would would say, oh, I'm not woke. I'm not left. But, you know, the, the people he runs with, they are very much encompassing this, you know, wanting to it, to me, it's a much more left you know, it, it is left. It's people who who want to pander to the establishment, pander to the to the to the the neoliberals, to to the mainstream. They want to make libertarianism look respectable to normies. No, they like, don't. No, they don't. Archie doesn't want to make libertarian libertarianism look respectable. Have you ever seen like when when um, Jeremy Kaufman was on um, Fakertarians? Yeah, when I Nick Ashley that. was on Fakertarians. Are you telling me that the Fakertarians want to make they have a they have things on there? They're not even like humans, and they're like making comments. Uh, they they try to make the most well, they, degenerate comments. The problem is they think everyone is like them. I honestly think that's the problem is that they think that mainstream America, that the average American person, is a you know in that social degenerate woke mindset. When the reality is, you know. 80 90 percent of people look at that and go what what the heck is that like that's yeah. that's not me that's nonsense but but to them because they don't they're allergic to opposing ideas they're allergic to anything to the right of like you know chomsky so that you know anything to the to anything that even looks a little bit right i mean look at i don't know i mean i'm sure you've seen it they they get mad and go after people like spike cohen and even justin amash sometimes and i'm like really like if if they're too far right wing for you, then like I don't even know, I don't know. Like it's just, and this is what we're talking about. It's like I yeah, I Jacob, wanted. Yeah, I, I mean, I <laughs> I want to apologize for like derailing the show, but really, this is a huge part of what we're talking about here. Is yeah. you have libertarians who think that it's a left. It's a as long as you're doing something that doesn't hurt anybody then it's to be celebrated. Right. Well, that's just not true. I no. mean, you know, I mean, if, if Jacob, if I found out you were doing heroin, I mean, I would be like, well, it's your body. You can do it. And I wish it was legal. So you wouldn't get arrested, but I'd try to have a talk with you about the fact that, you know, depending on <laughs> that, it's yeah. prob probably not beneficial for you. Right. You know, but, you know, they and that and you're you probably you're probably you may end up in a clinic that you can't afford to pay for. And if you can't afford to pay for it, the state's going to pay for it. And congratulations, you just expanded the state. You're you making the state yeah. bigger. And, you and that's be doing what that. high time preference. That's what high time preference um, behaviors have a tendency to do. They don't yeah. want to deal with that. They don't want to have to deal with that. And you would be doing that. You would be coming to me and like you know trying to change what i'm doing or, or critique what i'm doing from a place of of love and genuine compassion and care about my well-being and the problem is to these people if you criticize their lifestyle if you criticize something they're doing they think oh well you you hate 
trans people you hate lgbt people you hate and like no i don't hate them i i i love them and you know as a christian christ tells me to love everyone including my enemies but love doesn't mean um celebrating or approving of everything they do and whether it's something that's wrong or immoral or something that's that's you know bad for their well-being even if they don't see it even if they say well this isn't bad for my well-being it makes me happy it's like well your well-being and your short-term happiness or pleasure isn't really the same thing. Um, those are two different things. And the problem is they just, they don't get it, um, you know, and uh, maybe, you know, and I know you've been kind of going down this road too a little bit, but I, I feel like part of it is just, you know, my my Christian roots, I think, won out. And that was also part of what dragged me out of the, the insanity of the left was I was raised with those conservative Christian values. I kind of rebelled against them when I was young, but then I went out and lived life, you know, got like literally a couple of years of experience in the real world and went, oh, um, there's actually a lot of value and wisdom and truth in the stuff I was raised in. Um, and it turns out that a lot of this stuff that I, you know, that I didn't understand why, you know, why, why does the religion of Christianity say this is bad or this is bad or, or don't do this or this is how you should live your life. It's like, well, it's because there was, you know, wisdom uh, encoded in those lessons and in those stories that um, have been passed down by our ancestors that are true in ways that you can't, um, you know, that, that that are that are so deep they're hard to even like utter. Um, and then I got into Jordan Peterson, like I have his books up on the shelf, and he talks a lot about what you're talking about, like the right is order and the left is chaos. And I'm not, you know, I I think there's there, you know, I so desperately want to find value in the left because I don't want, like, I don't, I'm someone who doesn't want to be in an echo chamber. I want to hear from different perspectives and different people and, and consider alternative points of view. But, you know, I can sit down with someone who's on the right and have, you know, a couple hour conversation about our differences and have really productive conversations. The minute I bring up and like one aspect of my belief system to somebody on the left, I'm a bigot, I'm a racist, I'm a Nazi. It's just, you know, how can you find any any way to work together or have, you know, like like productive, fruitful conversation can't start out from the premise of I'm a Nazi and now it's the burden of proof is on me to prove that I'm not. No, you're a, an asshole for starting out on that premise. And really, you know, there's no value in talking to you. Yeah. I mean, that's just where we're at. That's the left. The left is, you know, they, they want to talk about how the right is so judgmental. Christians are judgmental and, you know, they're hypocrites and everything like that. I mean, the left claims to love people, yet every policy and everything that they believe basically hurts somebody. You know, and not to mention most of what they advocate for just grows the state. You know, so, you know, and there are a lot of things on the right that grow the state. I mean, being pro-war, being pro-military, being pro-police, um, <clears throat> they're, I mean, those things are the worst things that you can do, but you can have a conversation with you. At oh, least yeah. you've seen the right, like, change and be like, you know, George W. Bush sucks and, you know, the war in Iraq was a mistake. The war in Afghanistan was a mistake. I mean, they don't like the way um, Afghanistan was left. And I don't either. I mean, it's just, 
I mean, it's just a travesty. And I knew something and it was like bound for that to happen and everything. But, um, you know, even, um, you know, like another thing the right is about is like, you know, closed borders and everything. And I'm looking at a question here. How can open borders work without worldwide dominance? Open borders just can't work. I mean, it's not, I mean, having people coming and going at will, I mean, I like the part about going at will because it would be nice if we could just leave at will, you know, and everything. But people coming at will, I mean, who are they? How did 13,000 Haitians get from Haiti to Brazil and then here? Because they went to Brazil first. How the hell did they get to, to here? Who paid for them to get here? And are those people coming in to help us establish it in Kapistan? I mean, that's one thing that people don't ask is, you know, how if you're bringing in if you, we already have a 99 percent population that believes the state has to exist, you know, you know, must exist. So you're just going to keep bringing more and more people in to fill, you know, fill that up. Well, then if you are, if that's your idea, then give up on talking about anarchy. Just go to talking about something else because you're never going to get it unless you concentrate on it locally. And that brings me right back to Hoppe. He's the only one who makes sense in all this is that you do it locally at the most local level possible. And that's how you make your stand. You know, I mean, at this point, I'm so concentrated on local and everything. You know, it's like I will say that I think, and I'm, you you can look in my back catalog. There's, I have episodes about why open borders is the libertarian position. I just don't believe, I don't believe that anymore because it's not going to get you. If you have a goal, I mean, there was a video put out by somebody who worked, I think at Fox LA or something like that. And it was just people pouring across the Rio Grande. I mean, like literally walking through the Rio Grande and coming over and everything. And I retweeted it. And I said, these people are coming here to help us establish Ancapistan. Yeah. (laughs) And I just sat back because I knew that there were going to be people who were going to laugh and and chuckle because they knew exactly, they knew that I was being sarcastic and they knew exactly what I was saying. And there were people who were like, yeah, true. They, they are. They're com- I'm, I'm like, well, how do you, wh- how do you get that? H- how do you get that? They're leaving one government for another government. Now I'm not taking, and I also take into consideration the fact that the United States government may have destroyed their homeland and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, the whole thing about, oh, you know, Im- immigrants, you know, people, people like that just make the country more prosperous and everything. How come they can't do that in their own country? I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, if they're all entrepreneurs coming over here, they can't be entrepreneurs in Nicaragua or Honduras. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm a psychopath or something for asking questions <laughs> like this. Oh yeah. I know it's, you know, and you know, it's, I remember, I think if I remember correctly, you did a, something criticizing even Hoppe's take on borders years ago. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, but it's a, it's a complicated issue. I've been on both sides. When I first came into libertarianism, I kind of leaned more towards, we need some border control. Then I was on the open border train for a while. Then I listened to your conversation with Reed on his show. 
Um, and I've, I've heard, you know, a lot of people talking about this over the past year. And I don't know, I think the biggest thing that I've come to the conclusion of, and this kind of goes hand in hand with our needing to focus on local politics is even if open borders was the right position that we needed to somehow get to, we're not close to it. And honestly, there's no path forward where we could actually effectively, like the, the state has no incentive to fully open or fully close the border because they like the chaos of what they have right now, I think, which is having this this muddy mess where people can come in and then, you know, we can initiate you know, different state violence against them or let the ones in we want to let in. Like, you know, it, it's 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 a mess. As a libertarian, I hate to see the state have power over anything. And that includes people who aren't really initiating violence against anyone. But then it's like, okay, well, are we just because we don't like that the state is the one in charge of it? Does that mean let the state like tell the state don't do anything, let everyone come through? Okay, but that's not letting the free market take over. That's just letting even more chaos take over. Because if you actually let a free market uh, take over, what would what would fill what would replace the government controlling this one line in the sand would be a bunch of different communities and borders that are uh, established by private property taking over and and controlling the movement and regulating the movement of people. So I was like, if you take away the state and don't let the free market take over. You're just creating, I think, a recipe for chaos. So I think what we need to, you know, decentralization and, and localization need to be our, our our focal points, I think. And, and you know, that, that gets into more of what we wanted to talk about here. And, you know, like I said, there's some people that want to do it through the GOP. Uh, some, And then, you know, I've been involved in the Mises Caucus a while. I'm a state organizer in Pennsylvania. Um, and I'm sorry. I, <laughs> um, and, you know, it's... My thing is, I don't see. I don't think the Mises Caucus is going away, but I also don't think that the people who want to do the local politics through the GOP are going to go away. And honestly, yeah. for people for people who live in New Hampshire or in Florida or in different areas, like you know, I hear the arguments and I go, eh, like I kind of get why in your situation it makes it makes some sense. I don't think yeah. it would make much sense in my area, but you know, that kind of goes down. I think to like, isn't that part of? Uh, Austrianism and, and praxe praxeology to kind of be like, we actually can't effectively, you know, judge for other people to know like what their preferences should be. They have to kind of make those decisions for themselves to, to a certain extent. I would, I would love to, to see if we can find a way to work together more than we are arguing over what the, the best strategy is. Cause I think in a lot of ways they don't have to be opposing strategies necessarily. I mean, if I was living in an area or in a state where like I knew there was a bunch of Rothbardian libertarians in a GOP affiliate, be like, great, which find ways to work together on nullification le legislation or uh, getting some of like Andrew's anti-tax uh, stuff, stuff going, you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't, uh, it, it, do you think that there's a path forward where we can work together regardless of whatever, you know, I guess path one wants to take, because I don't think that we're all going to get on, like, you know, we're, I'm not going to convince all of you to come back to the Mises caucus, but you guys are not also going to convince everyone in the Mises caucus to abandon ship. So um, I don't want to see us waste too much time in that debate. Again, it's not that I'm against having my mind challenged, but just, I don't want to, you know, I, I want to see us 
be as um, productive as we can. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, you're right. These things aren't going to go away. The Mises caucus is not going away. The LP is not going away. Free state projects, not going away. Um, Paleo strategy. If people even uh, people say that and have no idea what it is. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They they just have no clue. And what it would look like now is compared to like 1992, 1993. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, it would be reaching out to Trumpers and Trumpers are insane. They're crazy people. So why would we do that? We're, we're respectable and everything, but um, everything just, yeah, I know. I know. Well, libertarians, uh, there are a lot of libertarians that actually hate people. Yeah. And it's just obvious. It, it's just obvious. They, there, there are a lot of libertarians out there that could be uh, maximizing their own personal like income and their own wealth, and they're being told no, don't do that because we have this political thing going over here. So I mean, I'm all for like um, wealth, power, and influence, Jason yeah. and. Um, and uh, Matt talk about I'm all for the Mises caucus, and I've talked to Tho Bishop about this. I'm like Tho, Mises caucus isn't going away, so we just have to be able to work with them. Yeah. And you know, and I know that the Mises caucus, if they're going to work with GOP people, they're going to want to not give them like a like this intense purity test, but at least make sure that they're good on some subjects and everything like that. You know, that would be that makes sense to me theoretically. And we're all about issue I, coalitions. I think, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and it, it can be more than an issue coalition and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's like, look at what NAGR, National Association for Gun Rights, has done lobbying one issue. We've gone from like, what, four constitutional carry states in like 10 years to 30? Yeah. 25 or 30? And that's just NAGR just being the most insane lobbyist. Like, we are going to primary you. We're going to primary the crap out of you. And following the faculty, um, the faculty training, um, but everything needs to be maximized. Um, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at a comment here saying COVID is the only issue. They just fired 200 nurses in my city. One hundred, but it's a pandemic. But, yeah, <laughs> but what we're talking, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the best way to fight it. And yep. to me, I, I think it's localization. And the Mises Caucus is all about localization. Um, the GOP, you know, the, the paleo strategy and what those talking about is all about localization. Um, yep. The Free State Project. I have so many, I, I would be so much more uh, if they were concentrating on like really taking over cities within and everything you know and um free state project also reminds me of um another thing where um and this is what like started to bring me out of my my open borders phase was someone goes someone goes you realize they're bringing people in from other countries to change the demographic the voting demographics and i'm like well that sounds silly it's like have you heard of the free state project i'm like yeah what are they doing they're bringing a whole bunch of people into one area to change the demographics so that they can change the politics. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Now. Or uh, the other thing is ask the Native Americans how demographic change works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they're, what, they're on some, every Indian reservation is on like the worst. Land Don't worry, you can't wait. even grow your own food on. 
they'll they'll give white Christian white Christians little reservations to live on too. Don't worry. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> we'll get our own that, little tiny plots of land yeah. in yeah, the new world des- order. If we don't destroy the left, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, and I I put left, I put woke libertarians in in that camp as well because you know I said something the other day that may have came from Jeff Dice, may have came from Michael Malice, may have came from Dave Smith. I don't know, but those kind of libertarians, like the Cato libertarians, some people at reason. But a lot of those left libertarians, those woke libertarians are using libertarianism to try to um, they're using libertarian means to try to reach progressive ends. Hmm. And they are more insidious than the actual woke progressives that call libertarians whatever, because they're in our midst and we're supposed to be nice to them. We're supposed to coalition with them. Fuck that push them to self-harm it's like i said it's like i said at pork fest meme them to death and push them to self-harm they're not that far away from it they're just it's the most evil idea it's one of the most evil ideologies this planet has ever seen because people can vote for it and it used to be something like that popped up i mean you never had anything like that pop up in the past but you know, if something like that popped up, the king could just smash it for the good of the people. Now, what do you do? People, oh, democracy. The 20th century, look how much we have. I mean, we're basically vassals with air conditioning. Yeah, we're basically, why, and some of us are serfs with air conditioning. That's why I January mean, 11th was such a, a tr- atrocity because it was an affront on our democracy, Pete. January I mean, 6th. They, January 6th. January 6th. Yeah. They, they, um, I was mixing September 11th and January 6th. <laughs> That's a bit of a well, Freudian that, well, flip. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of leftists have been doing that. And even some, yeah. liber- even some libertarians I've seen have been doing that. Oh, yeah. Who was it that said that January 6th was worse than September 11th? And it wasn't ironic. It wasn't like Reed with the shit posting. They were like... Was it like Robbie Suave or something like that? I forget, I mean, but I was just intim- like... I think he intimated it. He didn't come out and say it, but he intimated he, he called. Yeah. He said, just because a resurrection is put down quickly doesn't mean it wasn't a resurrection. That's a Robbie Suave tweet. I, I, I blocked them. I'm not... I blocked these people. I mean, Archie blocked me. So, you know, it's like, what could I do? You know, it's like, you know, he taught from what I understand from private chats that people are in with him. He, I'm like one of his, the biggest things he talks about, like he's obsessed. It's, it's you and Ryan he's Dawson. Obsessed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, love Ryan. Uh, well, I mean, Ryan has a sub stack now that I just, um, I subscribe to send him some money. Cause I mean, learned so much from him over the years now you know and he's a good friend even though i even though i was dumb just mentioning something criticizing him openly the other day and just like i immediately contacted him i said you can roast me in public go ahead (laughs) (laughs) if you have if you need to roast me in public go ahead roast me in public go ahead (laughs) yeah i remember that i remember that episode Yeah. Yeah, yeah but um yeah he's he's um god he's one of the best we have i mean they everything about Israel. I mean, the guy was talking about Epstein in 2007, everything about yeah. this, you know, about the, the war of Northern aggression, all that stuff. is just so uh, guys, literally, I mean, one of the top three was like him, Scott Horton. And, you know, when it comes to like, um, like definitely like certain 
um, issues. God, yeah. That guy's that guy melts people's faces on multiple issues and yeah, that's just a um that that's a gift. I got to yeah. see Scott Horton roast a Zionist live at the uh the uh take human action bash in PA. I saw <laughs> I the video. Yeah, I was I was literally right behind the woman. Like like she was like front row to the second row and and then she said what we said and just I went, Oh no. Like you, you oh, just boy. you just brought out the laser, the Scott Horton laser eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't wait till Monday to see exactly what what's going to happen with Bill Crystal. Oh yeah, that's I, I I know a lot of people aren't making that though because of where it is, but it's um it's going to be fun fun of that. Well, one of the reasons I'm going is I really don't want to go to New York right now. I'm mm-hmm. basically going out of I want to see. I want to see, well, I mean, I want to see the debate, but I also want to see how bad what, it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I want to see how bad it is. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, the major American city, the city that is like, you know, a lot of people would call the capital of the world is basically starving minorities. <laughs> I mean, it's I like, just... you know, the majority, you know, the majority of people who don't want to get the shot are, african-americans and why not because they understand their history and it's like and and, you know they don't trust the government and it's like okay so you're gonna say that they can't go into a supermarket and then you'll have some other libertarians who will be like um well you know they can get a friend to go shopping for them well yeah that's like doesn't that sound like nazi germany when people were hiding and bringing you know hiding jews and bringing them food or something like that i mean i hate to invoke you know go straight to godwin's law and everything but it's like it really seems like that's what they want and and you know what so that you can be you can remain a consistent libertarian i mean dietrich bonhoeffer was a christian and he sought out to do what he thought he needed to do. And I'm not going to piss on his grave because he wanted to assassinate Hitler. And, you know, and that he was a, you know, a priest. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine with what, I'm he, fine. Tried, a lot with what of, he tried to do. A lot of Christian anarchists are, are pacifists. Like I know you've had talks with uh, my friend Craig on the bad room and, and he, he's a pacifist. A lot of them do. And to me, it's like, I kind of get it. And, you know, I mean, as a libertarian, I abhor violence and I know violence can beget violence, but yeah, I think there are certain instances where, I mean, even, you know, Jesus chased people out of the temple with whips, you know, and I think, I mean, I think Jesus came to fulfill a specific ministry. So of course he didn't come to, you know, really initiate violence as a, as a means of, of doing that. But um, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a confused subject a little bit in the Christian circles I'm in, but, you know, I, I just think that, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, yeah, we, we have to focus on getting, um, I think the only way we can really achieve Liberty is at the local level. And I think it's Absolutely. by, um, by reaching out to our communities and we have to do it by not, hating the people we're trying to reach and that's what so many libertarians do and i'm just i'm I'm tired of it i mean i get it i'm guilty of it too i'm guilty of shitting on republicans and shitting on democrats oh me too Um, yeah so but I'm, i'm starting to realize like okay well you know when i 
actually sit down and want to have a conversation about these principles and the, the ideas, the right's willing to listen to me. And even when I get to like the really deep stuff, they'll go, nah, I don't know. I just don't like, I, 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 I don't agree. I don't see it working yet, but I'm with you up till this point. Whereas with the left, it's just, you know, insert insult, insert name calling here. And it's just, yeah, you can, you can sit yeah. there for an hour with somebody on the right, argue back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And after that hour is done, look at him and go, so you want to go shooting at the range? And they're like, yeah. oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. It's it, I mean, leftist. You're, you're not going to make five minutes through. And they have, I mean, it, it's so amazing that, you know, the people on the left and even, you know, a lot of libertarians, especially the woke libertarians, they absolutely just abhor religion. They abhor Christians. They, well, they, you know, they, they they're not going to say anything bad about Islam, of course. Um, but you know, they they're not going to say anything bad about Judaism. But look you know, at what Christianity. They did to Sam, look at what they did to Sam Harris when he was critical of Islam, and he was like one of the only few left atheists who ever did, and they crucified him yeah. for it. I mean, it's just you, you can't. But you can you can bash Christianity all day long. But I think it's I think what you're talking about is so right because I think you know, conservatives and, and especially religious conservatives, they, they, they speak our language a little bit in terms of like, they want Liberty, but they understand that Liberty comes with, uh, it doesn't mean an abolition of rules. Sacrifice. It just means, yeah. it, it means that the rules are, uh, instituted by society on, on the, the, the level of culture of relationship and, and, and institutions like the church. And yeah, they don't, I mean, some Christians have made the mistake of the past of trying to institute that stuff through the state. But, you know, at the end of the day, they've, I think most Christians nowadays I talk to are like, yeah, no, we, we don't need to force our cultural views on people with force, but we will fight back if the left decides to push their cultural views on us with force. So and I'd rather live yeah. under a theocracy right now. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I mean, it, this has gotten really bad. You know, it's like, well, what, what truthfully we do, though, I mean, in, in, yeah, in, yeah. in a sense, the, the left is just a religion, but it's like yeah, no, they, 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 they uh, abandon God, they abandon Christian norms, but then when they have nothing and, you know, the human nature is, is just naturally oriented towards worshiping something as your sovereign. And this is what Jordan Peterson uh, taught taught me when I got into his reading, and it's just like they took out God, but then they just put the state up there on the pedestal as what they worship. They put their degeneracy and their, you know, uh, you know, their cultural things as the things that they worship, and then they've become so fragile that if you disagree, like you can disagree with if someone comes to me and goes, like you know, and when you and you had, when you were on Reed's show and you guys were talking about the interplay between atheists and Christians and stuff. You know, when atheists or agnostics come to me with kind of like those snarky comments like, oh, we don't believe in your sky, daddy. Oh, uh, you know, how's your imaginary friend doing? Or or they just say, I don't believe in what you believe. I go, OK. I don't I don't care. Like we can have a conversation about it or if you just you know, if you think my ideas are stupid, like, OK. I mean, I just I know this. I live every day knowing that people who are atheist or agnostic if I tell them I'm a Christian and I believe I have a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ as my savior, if they reject that, they're in, you know, kind of implicitly saying that they think on some level I'm 
delusional on some, on some you know on some level of my thinking or the uh, des- describing my experience and i was like all right but like i don't take offense to that like they think i'm wrong but if you think somebody on the left is wrong you've attacked them as a person and you hate them so you know well, even just... if you're even if you're half black and half chinese you're a white supremacist now well i mean like I mean, you, that's just i mean we've... your conversation with eric july yesterday and you guys talking about like you know they they go after him they go after maj Touré. they 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 i swear these people have never actually hung out with with any black person in their life they don't know any they don't know any they, they I don't mean... i mean i grew up <laughs> i grew up in the south bronx with you know my best friends were black has spent you know yeah dominican puerto rican everything like that and i mean i oh. grew up in a time in the bronx when we didn't even really address race it was i got out of new york like right before sharpton started mm. his shit you know and yeah. he started you know really started coming on and, and before the tawana brawley thing and it just seems like everything's gone downhill with race from there these race hustlers um, you know, learning from Jesse Jackson, who've been doing it since the 60s and everything, um, figured out how to get rich by doing doing this. I mean, Tawana, the Tawana Brawley case, if anybody wants to go back and look at it, is like the perfect case of demonizing like a whole town, basically. And when it came out that it was all false, Nobody apologized. Nobody. They just went on to their next outrage. And that's when I knew that things were, you know, I said, if this continues at this point, things are going to be, things are going to get bad. And I've just watched it snowball. It seemed like through the 90s, we had some, there was a reprieve. And, you know, a lot of people will say the 90s were like the last free decade. It was like the last decade where you really had a lot of freedom to do things that you want. Then you got into the 2000s and 9-11 happened. Mm. Then you, now the last 18 months, everybody's scared of a freaking friggin' virus, you know, that I had. But and I in mean, my age, in my shape, you know, in, in my physical health, I mean, it kicked my butt for, for a few weeks and everything, but. My dad's you know? in the hospital with it right now. And yeah. like, listen, it sucks. Like, um, but people have been getting sick and dying since like the garden <laughs> from my perspective. Yeah. So it, it's sad, but um, I recognize that like the world doesn't revolve around me and trying to just like life is about more than just surviving. And I think Christians um, and those of faith and even conservatives get that um, there's something more to like life than just I'm going to maximize the number of days I have here on this planet. Like it's not worth I'd rather live. 50 years and have done something with my life then live a hundred years and accomplish nothing and, and not experienced it because I was too afraid of what might happen. And I don't know, like to me, that seems perfectly set. It's all about time preference, right? It's just these people operate in the highest of time preferences. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what their Everything lifestyle around. that's with how they, they view politics. They view economics. It's, it's all just, you know, right here in the here and now, and that's all that matters. And really like without, you know, like, again, I'm not trying to shit on people who aren't Christian, but like without that component of like, you know, like Christians are always looking towards eternity. I mean, that's like the lowest of time preferences, right? Like to be, be, be uh, oriented towards looking at things over the, the, the longest of the longest possible 
time analysis. So we're just always oriented towards, you know, realizing that our lives are more than just what's happening today. It, we have to take into consideration the future and to consideration the, the costs of, of things. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that, and I, I know your, your journey has been a little bit, you know, <laughs> you, you've been kind of flirting a little bit with these Christian ideas now for the past, past year or two. And so that's been interesting to watch. And it's like, I don't even think somebody needs to embrace, like to say, oh, Jesus is my personal savior to get value out of that. Cause I think that these stories and I think the, the biblical narrative, it just, to me, it just, even if I didn't have that faith, it's just something in there that rings true about human experience and, and human psychology. Well, it's not even really that I've been f- flirting with anything over the last half year and a half as I've been revisiting. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm very well read when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to commentaries. I mean, I've, I've read Calvin pretty extensively. I've read John Gill pretty extensively. Um, even Martin Luther, I've read a lot of Luther and, um, you know, I read a lot of the reformers. Um, and I also read a lot of the church fathers and just basically, I'm just going back to it because it's a tradition and the left is in charge the left is putting narratives out there that are absolutely insane. And going back to tradition is one of the ways to stay sane. When you think, wait a minute, did, I mean, you know, is in Vinarmani used this as a really good, um, really good analogy. It's like, you're wondering if you're like, wait a minute, did I wear a mask in middle school? You know, how long has this been happening? You know, am I crazy? You know, am, am I, you know, so it's like you're going back to like finding where there was some stability. And a lot of that has to, a lot of that comes down to, believe it or not, a lot of times it's people's faith and their past faith and the history of, of the church, you know. My church history, I, you know, I like pre-Constantine. Because you know, you know yeah. <laughs> as soon as Con- anybody who knows the story of Constantine, it's just like everything went downhill from there. You know, and um, it's not that everything went downhill. They went into a tradition that was pretty good, but became political, and that was just, you know, just it just didn't work. And even if you look at the Catholic Church now, it's like God, the Pope, the Pope is so bad. It's like, oh my God. It's like, I mean, and you know, and I've said that if I decided to go back to church, I would, pr- I wouldn't go back to Baptist church. I'd probably go back to Catholicism. And just because I like the pageantry, I like the tradition and yeah. I like, and I would know that, you know, all that mattered was what was in my heart, what I felt in my heart. And it wouldn't matter where I was worshiping. It wouldn't matter. It's what's inside of me. And, you know, the, the, um, being able to hang out with people and to basically be a church family and everything. That would be cool. That'd be cool with that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, the world's insane. I mean, the world, I mean, it's literally, this is, people don't realize we're living in a dystopia. The dystopia is already here. 
Cities were on fire last year. People were yeah. being killed by mobs in the street. I mean, an election was clearly stolen last year, just like in like some Central American country in the 1980s. And now they want you, health is not like what you eat, what you eat, what, how you exercise, what your, you know, what your body is telling you. Health is stick this in your arm and you're healthy. And now, I mean, now three times, two yeah, times isn't enough. Time. It has to be three times. And yet you can still get it. You can still get the virus that you're being protected from and you can spread it. <laughs> and it's like, um, we're nice. living in a just, we're in the middle of a dystopian nightmare. And what are we, how are we supposed to handle it? Well, a lot of people, a lot of people went back to tradition. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, one of the first things I did was, you know, look for a church to go back to church. I feel bad for them because unfortunately too many churches dropped the ball and really, you know, this, this stuff repeats itself, right? Like if you go and read the Bible, I mean, what did like first Samuel eight, God tells them asking for a King is a form of idolatry. And the reason why, you know, people don't understand old Testament law. Almost all of the things that people go back and go, oh, why was that banned? That seems so primitive and barbaric. I was like, it was distinguishing the Israelites from the pagan cultures around them. Mm -hmm. And God was very clear about when you mix with the pagans, bad things will happen. And really, the book of Judges describes this as Israel at a point in history where they were, in a lot of ways, kind of like a anarchistically organized theocracy. They were a narco, they were a narco yeah. covenant. They yeah. were in a narco covenant. Yeah. yeah. And the only reason it went bad for them was because they didn't listen to God when he told them to completely expunge the, the, the pagans. They let them stay, have some cities, had some intermarrying. And then what happened? They fell into idolatry and they cared more about um, making peace with these people instead of doing what God told them to do. Which... Are you realizing <laughs> what you're saying? Yes. You're making you're making the correlation, right? You're Yes. It's, it's exactly what's happened accepting today. Accepting the left. Yeah. It's accepting is entertaining the left. Yeah. We should and be because, doing everything to destroy them. And because the church has uh, has failed to fight the culture and instead they've taken like uh, as much as like I'm a Christian and I love the church and defend it, I also have to criticize it cuz they've taken a very for lack of a better word cucked position in terms of like how they respond to the left, like mm -hmm. they kind of sit there and take their beatings and they're not being that salt and light on the earth. Like Christ told them to be instead. They're like trying to appeal to everybody and pander to them. And, you know, I grew up in very, you know, non-denominational uh, Protestant circles. And it was all about like making church look like a, you know, this contemporary service with all these, this, this flash and, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been surprised in some churches I went to if fog machines were installed. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, hey, we're, we're just doing what the world does, but with a little bit of Jesus mixed in. And that's honestly like they were trying to pander to the culture to change it when really that's the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us to. It's the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. You engage the culture by, you know, like being salt and light. That What that's referencing is being pure. Like salt is kind of like a symbol for being pure. 
and it means you have to not be also a friend to offend people. It, it yeah. also helps preserve. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have given, given, given you and a lot of these, uh, I, I don't know, the Praxians, the post-libs, a lot of grief. And, you know, in some ways, because I've been in the Mises caucus circle side of it, like, you know, I've felt under fire at times. But at the same time, a lot of what you guys are saying and talking about, it's it's ringing true. So, I mean, I think, you know, this is the stuff that people who are liberty-minded have to reconcile with because um, the culture, I think, is where that – I mean, local politics and, and localism – definitely need to be part of our strategy but i think if we don't understand this cultural element we're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes until we sure. uh, you know what i mean so um I'm, i was um i was kicked out of the lpmc facebook group and for good reason i mean i was i had even though i hadn't taken them i had shared some screenshots from uh the discord group and i, t- I had a Michael Heiss called me and we had a talk and everything. And he's like, yeah, I had to do it. And I'm like, dude, 100%. I'm not mad and everything. But I'm not going to say who did it, but somebody shared with me um, some screenshots from the LPMC after Dave put out that tweet about um, Christianity and you you know the tweet I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And what I saw was the person who had screenshot that had basically, it was like the most leftist thing I had heard in a while. It was like, I mean, and I'm just like, I'm like, you're the LPMC and you're talking about how Christianity and conservatism is responsible for the patriarchy. They literally used the word patriarchy. And this oh, is somebody boy. in the LPMC group. And then somebody responded to them 100%, totally agree. And it was just this complete leftism straight down. And I think we've, from the discussion we've had tonight, is that when the left infects your group, it starts to infect something. You, if you don't exercise, you know, chemotherapy quick. <laughs> you're going to see problems, you know, and it's one of the, you know, one of the problems that I have with like the libertarian party is that they just, anything that's can be perceived as right wing is the enemy. And I mean, (laughs) I I don't know what to say to that. You know, I, I don't know what to, you know, I mean, Rothbard was writing before even the nineties, he was writing about, you know, these brain, these psycho brain libertarians who, you know, think everything is about leftist, you know, activities and stuff. And, and, and he's like, this is a private property, you know, a ideology of private property and rights. What does the left have to do with any of that? They just don't believe in that stuff. And they believe in it for themselves, but not for you, not for me. You know, if I'm making too much money, then it needs to be taken away. And why would you infect yourself with that? You know, and it's like, I love Dave's tweet when he put that out and everything, you know, and I was just, it, it made me happy. It, it made me happy for him to put that out. 
Um, I knew he was going to take some heat for it. I knew he might even take some heat from some people that, you know, are considered to be his contemporaries. Yeah. Or no contemporaries. contemporaries. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, but I was happy to see it because left woke progressivism, you know, the, the prevailing ideology of the day has nothing to do with libertarianism. I don't care if it's like neoconservatism or if it's woke progressivism. It has nothing to do with the ideology. And we know that neoconservatism, where did that come from? It came from the left. It came from Trotsky. From, from Trotsky. Mm. The Trotskyites and everything. So... You know, it's um, it's just I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't see how libertarians or libertarianism conforming to this world would help the cause of liberty because this world is antithetical to the idea of liberty and private property and bodily autonomy now. I mean, seriously, it's like, it is, they have their own religions. I mean, you can see people getting baptized. They they put their baptism pictures on Twitter where they're getting the shot in the arm. And it was like, literally, I mean, so it's like, what do you, you want to be a part of that? You want to pander to that? You want that to think you're respectable? I, I want those people to think, believe that I want them on their own island. Let's put it that way. <laughs> nice devil's island if you've ever seen the movie Papillon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We take them on a nice helicopter ride where we teach them about economics. Sure. <laughs> that, that, that's a great meme. The, the one where I'm going yeah. to teach you about economics. Oh, no, no. Just throw me out. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's voluntary. Like you can stay on the helicopter and and I'll read you some Rothbard or here's a parachute. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Pete. You know, no these are um, you know, interesting concepts and, and conversations that I think are, well, are and let's, to have and let's and, say that you and I have had our differences on on social media and everything. Oh yeah. Um yeah. you know, and then I mean, I was, there were points where I was just, I get frustrated because it's just dealing with people on social media. I, I just, I spend too much time on social media. Well, part and, of it um, also, to, to just put my part out here, part of it was I came onto Twitter late and I just didn't understand the atmosphere and culture of Twitter. And so part of that was just, just me being really autistic too at times. So, um, so but no, I mean, you, you know, you listened to what we had to say and yeah, I mean, that, that is, even if, you know, even if you don't agree with it, just be respectful and go, you know, I mean, I've had people say, you know, I don't, I, I don't even come close to agreeing with what you guys are talking about, but I understand why you guys are asking these questions, especially after the last 18 months. Well, believe me, I mean, with, with all the, I mean, you've seen all the crap we've had to deal with within the LP. So it's not like I'm unsympathetic to why people like you and Tho and uh, Matt and Andrew hate the LP. I mean, believe me, I totally get where you guys are coming from. Part of it, I think, is I don't want to let the LP 
to these people. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that. Like I, the I idea that, like, the, like that. the party that uses the name libertarian so badly represents libertarianism. Even if the LP is a always going to be a failure as far as a tool, at least it should not be a failure as far as the message it puts out. So that's that's at least where I you know the 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 low end of what I want to accomplish. But I think you know you know local politics. There's I think there's room for a lot of these things to be collaborative. I'm going to try to get you know I've I've reached out to Andrew and and uh, I'm trying to get him on the show because I like a lot of his ideas. You know I, I think the anti tax is 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 a brilliant idea. Archotropism is a really great concept to view these things through. Um, you know, understanding the incentive structures of power is something that libertarians need to, uh, you know, get better at if they're going to be successful at fighting it. If you don't understand yeah. your enemy, you can't win. So, um, you know, people need to, you know, Twitter's not real life. I think everyone needs to remember that, like, you know, Twitter's where you you, you have 240 characters and you're always going to put things in the the quickest, boldest, and often the most snarky way possible. But then, you know, we come on a podcast together and we talk and, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're allies, you know, we, we have some differences of opinion here and there, but we actually just agree a lot more than we disagree on. And so I, I think more people you can located? learn from that. Pennsylvania. Where? Uh, a little bit south of Harrisburg. Okay. All right. You know, I'm in, I'm in um, Northeast Ohio now, right? Okay. I heard you, I, heard, I knew you moved, but I didn't know where you'd moved to. So you're yeah. not too far. Yeah. Well, four, about four hours away. I'm about a couple. I'm a couple hours away from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right. So, so, cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for those who have watched. Um, yeah, it was a great conversation, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. And uh, sure. that's Absolutely. it. Everyone, have a good rest of your night. Thank you, Jacob. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 